Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest. He's none other than Mr. George Ross. George worked as an executive vice president within the Trump organization for a number of years. He worked for Donald for a total of 47 years. He taught at the law school at NYU for over 20 years. He's the author of two best-selling books on real estate and negotiation. He's an amazing human being, still active in real estate investing at 92 years of age. Just a wonderful guy to hang around with. Welcome to the show, George Ross. Good. Here I am. Well, good evening, George, and great to have you back here again. Okay. Let's get started. Okay. The first thing is let's kind of look at the big picture. Uh, right now, we've got the economy going in multiple different directions simultaneously. At one end, we've got 30 million people unemployed. And then the people who do have jobs spent three months in lockdown, not spending any money. Their bank accounts are flush with cash, kind of a forced savings of, of a type. And we're seeing right now some very uh, big spending on big ticket items, home improvements, boats, RVs that seem to be stimulating the economy in ways that nobody really anticipated. The question is when, you know, we see some very encouraging economic data, but we're also hearing on the other side that the bailout money is going to dry up. Uh, when it does, what's going to happen? We're in an election year. Obviously, the, nobody is going to want to be seen as turning off the taps in an election year. What's your prediction? Well, first of all, I got to look at the bailout money. The bailout money, part of the problems that were created with the bailout money is a lot of people chose not to work. Correct. Because they got more money uh, from the government if they didn't work. So that's had a, and it's, it's still going on for for an additional period of time. That it, it, I don't know how long, but I think it was at least a, at least a few months. So that created a, an unusual uh, impact. Yes. You know, so when you look at the 30 million unemployed, I don't know where you got the number from, but I don't know that that that's people uh, they're getting unemployment benefits or just people who are not working. I don't know, but in any event, let's get to the the substance of the matter. Yeah. It's true that there has been pent up buying by reason and people do have a lot of money. They couldn't get out to the shops, so they didn't. And they now, they've now got it and coupled with the fact that they really didn't lose any money as a result of the, uh, the, the COVID. They didn't really lose. So it's true, they are pretty, pretty flush. So I think you're going, what's, what's going to happen is you're going to have a, uh, another big uptick and maybe big items are going to go as well. But there is a lot of cash around. There is people, you know, didn't it, it, it what didn't hit them as badly in the in the pocketbook. Uh, you know, you say you stop paying rent, but that's temporary. Temporary, and they got a pot full of money from the government. So that's that's really the impetus that's that's pushing it all. Well, even rent collections across the board have been pretty high. I mean, most of the investors that I speak with maybe saw a four or five percent drop in collections, yeah. and usually that's in the lower. Asset classes, class A and class B. Yeah, they find it. I find it on the on the properties which I am involved with that with the residential held held very firm. The commercial is taking advantage and figuring we'll we'll delay for a while or we don't know. Yeah, they could uh, you know no, they're not going to be evicted, so they can they can do things if they want to. So it's, so the delays, if the as such, were basically on the commercial end, but not on the residential end. So I don't know if you've seen the same thing. Correct, correct. 
Yeah, very much so. Very much so. In fact, um, one of the things that we're seeing is, um, I mean, there's really two sectors that have been most impacted. Certainly hospitality is one, but restaurants are the other. And what we're seeing on the restaurant side is some of them are closing because they have to. A lot of them are closing just because there's Correct. tired operator syndrome. Exactly right. Who don't want to go through the energy of restarting. Exactly right. The energy of reciting, restarting at that point, and then also you probably have to deal with your landlords, and it's, it's just been on for a long period of time, and they say, no, enough is enough, let's close it up. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I think that the, the hospitality will come back over a period of time. I think in the uh, as far as the, the COVID, is, COVID, it seems to be uh, tailing off in many areas where we're not using as many hospitalizations. And I look at it differently. They've done a lot more testing, which is fine. But when you do the testing, you find people that have the virus, but have are asymptomatic or not sick enough. But they have it, but they show up now as a, as a case. To me, this, that's just because you're doing more testing, yep. which is fine. But I really look at what's going on with the hospitalizations and the people going into hospitals and those going on the ventilators and what have you. And that doesn't seem to be a tremendous uptick. It seems to me that it's leveled off in most places. But also, it's shown up you know, in, in, in many states and some states. But isn't that to the fact that they just didn't test? You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. So now you should test, but people have it. But so what? I mean, they have it, so they don't have that uh, effect. And you, I look basically at those that are that are in the hospitals. I also look at the how many people come out of the hospitals and how many go on a serious one where they're on ventilators. And I think to a, to a, to a, a great extent that it's being reduced, although I don't know what's going to happen now with all the protests and everything with people being uh, you know, side by side, not having social distance. I don't know, but to me, that's my my feeling is that we'll, we're we're going to find out pretty soon. Certainly, within the next couple of weeks, what it is with with all the social, with all the uh, the protests in the in the various states, you'll see whether or not there is a big uptick. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and if you look at other. Uh, virus outbreaks, whether it was the flu, whether it was SARS, whether it was Spanish flu in, in 1919, 1918, 1919, there were essentially two waves. There was a spring wave. It went down in numbers during the summer and then came back at much higher numbers with the second wave in the fall and winter. Yeah. So that may still be in our future. That may be. Uh, what what uh, troubles me is the, the, the medical field really doesn't know and they project. And they, some of the projections they had were so far off. I mean, they, they were projecting yes. how many millions that were going to die from it and how bad it's going to be and how it's going to accelerate. And these are just models based on suppositions. And the suppositions could turn out to be wrong. They could turn out to be on the low side or the high side. But I find generally that those, the, the as far as the, the medical people are concerned, they, they would much rather uh, come up with projections and say they're wrong, that they, they over-projected but, uh, rather than under-projected so when it comes to deaths and what have you. But nevertheless, it's a, it, it has put a, a, a clamp on the, on the economy and what's going on in the United States and many countries around the world. So it's something you have to live with, but my personal feeling is, yeah, we'll deal with it. One of the things I saw today was that 
I mean, you've obviously spent a fair bit of time in Europe and people tend to use public transit there much more extensively. If they go on vacation, they'll take the train, they won't drive. And we're seeing a big reversal of that. Automobile sales in France right now are through the roof yeah. because people want to go on vacation, yep. but they're saying, I'm not taking the train. That's true. That's And what about taking planes? Exactly, same thing. Yeah, the uh, the hospitality industry has got a long ways to come back just be, uh, until people get confidence. Correct. I mean, we were going on a cruise. Uh, I taken my family on a cruise, and we, they they canceled it, and we canceled it. That's uh, and next question is, would we go on another one? Well, you you say maybe, maybe not. If you're too you're hesitant, and usually they book far in advance. So it's uh, that hotels and places, the tourist places are. Uh, it's going to be a while before people have have confidence that it's okay, that they're willing to do it. And we'll see what happens with uh, Disney World and all of the others as to uh, do people really follow the social distancing. And my personal feeling is that makes a huge difference. You know, I think if people are wearing masks, that's a tremendous thing because I think that's that's basically where it was was being passed on was through droplets through the air and if you stop it and you don't have it and uh, you, you don't have that that the, the uh, tendency to be in a place where somebody's coughing or somebody's just sneezing or just just breathing breathing heavy and you protect against that 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 makes a big difference that's my feeling and but it seems to have a consensus in the medical medical field to say that's that's very important and I do. Well, certainly in the Czech Republic, uh, that was something they instituted very early on, and they got much better numbers yeah. than almost anywhere else in Europe. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And that was the major factor. It's true, and I think it's, it's, I, I, I go uh, I'm wholeheartedly for that. I think it's, great, it's a good idea. But I can see there can be, be affairs where people will be. Yeah, they're going to take your temperature, and they're uh, basically going to insist on a face mask. And time will tell because you've got the two-week period where you have the incubation. And if they have the, the, the contact tracing where somebody has it and who did you see and then uh, they go back, trace back who, who might be infected, I think that's 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 important. I think that they're on the right track, plus coupled, coupled with the fact that there's no very little doubt in my mind that they'll have some kind of a vaccine or certain some kind of medication because the now the, the seriousness has really dropped off. You don't. Remember that you didn't have ventilators. No, they're short of ventilators, and you had all you had the tremendous chronic illness. I don't, I don't see it today. I mean, statistically, I don't see it today. And a lot of people died, went, went with the, that passed away. Unfortunately, were in nursing homes or had pre-existing conditions, which make a difference with any type of virus. The, the same thing with the flu. So. Having passed on this subject, I, I think this too will pass, but it's going to create some, some hiccups and waves along the way, certainly in uh, real estate and investments. Absolutely. I mean, I saw Jay Powell came out this morning uh, um, advising the, the Treasury to keep spending money, that if they don't keep spending money on stimulus, that it will arrest the the recovery. And uh, what do you think the legacy is of all this money printing? <laughs> that's a, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. I don't know. It, 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 it it's another one of these uh, cycles or that has to work its way out. You don't know. Uh, if the economy surges and grows tremendously, uh, then you can you later you 
recover it, the uh, economic growth will be enough to overcome the excess spending coupled with the tariffs when the money comes in there that they'll work it out. But it's certainly, uh, you know, they, they, if they're planning on solving it in three years, it's not going to work, maybe 30 years or 10 years. But, hey, it's part of part of the course. My personal feeling is very is very interesting. I think they're going to stop paying China on the bonds. What do you think that will do to the U.S. dollar? I, whatever it does to the U.S. dollar, it's going to do a lot to the Chinese dollars. In other words, they do, they, they, somebody is going to take a firm stand and say, hey, this, this came, the virus came out, it's your fault. You didn't tell us everything was involved, you hit it, and we're just not going to pay the bonds. For I'm not saying not pay them at all, but maybe it's a good time to renegotiate. And they hold the bulk of the paper. But that's my own personal opinion. Let's... Well, there you have it from George Ross. Such an interesting perspective. Definitely not a point of view I would have arrived at on my own. I have no idea if George is right or he's wrong, but he certainly has a unique perspective by virtue of having worked for Donald for 47 years. Not only does George know the playbook, he wrote the playbook. He was the author of the book Trump Style Negotiation. And understand that George is not a Donald fan, but he's worked for him longer than anybody else on earth. And he knows Donald perhaps better than anyone else on earth. So again, I don't know if George is right or he's wrong, but I'm certainly asking myself the question that if he is right, which asset classes would benefit from such a game of geopolitical economic warfare? As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.